Can we thank Crosswalk for their, uh, their service and just leading us in worship this morning? Well, shalom. My name is Pastor John, and I'm going to be your guide through the rest of today's service. I'm kind of concerned that if I go to Publix today, I'm going to ask them how much for that fine fried chicken, but we'll see. I think we'll make it through the day. It would be hilarious, right? It would be great. Maybe a Daenerys, that's right. A Daenerys, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I hope you guys are uh, having a great uh, weekend and just time with uh, with Walk Through Bethlehem. What what an awesome um, weekend and really what an awesome opportunity it is. Uh, to serve the Lord in this way, and um, just to see that these lives are being changed, and you know, there are, there have been a couple of groups that that I've just been a part of where I could just feel the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, dealing with lives. There was uh, one group in particular. There's these three 11 or 12 year old boys that, man, they just were. They started off, you know, kind of like trying to jaw with the the Roman guards a little bit, but by the end, man, their eyes were locked in, and they were just. And I could tell God was doing something in, in those boys' lives. And I just, I look forward to just the, the stories and hearing and seeing the work that God is doing. But let's just continue to pray for uh, the people that have come so far and the people that will come tonight that God would continue to move and um, that, that people's lives would be changed for eternity. Pray that, you know, that they find a church, even if it's not here. Listen, we are not here to grow Kings Avenue Baptist Church. We are here to grow the kingdom of God. And, you know, the, the, the important thing that we must uh, do is pray that they find a place where they can plug in and be discipled and grow in their walk with the Lord. So uh, let's just lift uh, them up this morning and pray for them and pray for those that are coming tonight. Pray for the workers and then let's just give our time to God. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for your son. We thank you that, that you're our father, that... That you love us so much that you are God and holy and perfect and yet you choose to love us. And that you chose to send your son to us. Father, I just pray for everyone that has come through in these lives that have, have been dedicated to you this weekend. Father, I pray that you would just surround them. Let your Holy Spirit empower them. Let there be continued transformation and change in their life. Help them to find a place where they can grow in their walk with you. Where they can continue, Lord, to pursue you. Father, for those that are coming tonight, we pray for the same thing, that you would even now begin to work in their hearts and let them feel you drawing you to them or drawing them to you, Father, and that as they are hearing the message of the gospel, God, that they recognize that it is time for them to make a decision and that they would make that decision. God, for those where seeds have been planted, let let someone come along to water those seeds and, and let it just grow and blossom into a harvest at some point. Father, I thank you for everyone that has been working and serving and and giving of their time and and their talent, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to strengthen them and just use all of us, Father, as we are doing your work and your your kingdom, God, and just reaching our community for you. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are continuing on with our Go Tell It on the Mountain series, and uh, we're in week number two, and we've been talking about the different times that the angels went and proclaimed the news of Jesus' birth. Uh, and then what we're doing is we're understanding how that message, uh, then what we need to include from that message when we go out to tell it on the mountain. Last week we talked about the time where uh, the angel went to Mary and told her that she was going to be pregnant and that Jesus would be the Son of the Most High. 
I got to tell you uh, an amazing story that happened to me this week. If you remember in the invitation last uh, Sunday, we took a moment, just a special moment, and prayed for those people that we know uh, that don't know the Lord. And during that prayer, uh, there's one, one, one face in particular just kind of came into my mind, and God was laying this person on my heart, and he's been on my heart for a long time. And uh, just, I, you know, I knew... That God is, and I know that God has been dealing with me and wanting me to reach out and continuing to reach out to this individual. And He knows about my, you know, my faith. I've I've prayed for him and his family, and I've let him know that. And we've had some open conversations. Well, Monday morning, uh, he and I had a conference call with uh, a couple other people from uh, my other job at K Force. And he starts off the conference call, and he's like, "John, I saw that Facebook post where you were preaching with a sledgehammer. What was that about?" And so for the first like five or ten minutes of this conference call, I talked to this individual and the other people on the call about what my sermon was about. And I mean, God just, he just completely opened the door and allowed that to happen. And I was like, all right, God, you open the door. I got to walk through it, you know, and it was just so amazing. It was so awesome. And I just, I want you to be encouraged because when, you, when you're obedient to God, he is going to give you that opportunity, but you got to take that opportunity. You got to take it and just trust that he is going to be the one that brings something to fruition. But trust that he's going to bring the one, you know, and bring the harvest. Last week, as we talked about the angel uh, bringing this message to Mary, uh, the things that he said to her was that Jesus would break that generational curse of sin, that he is man and God, that he was sent to be our sacrifice. We talked about the fact that he is the son of God and he is the Messiah. And today... You know, our message today kind of picks up right where last week left off. You see, Mary, after receiving this message from the angel, she now had to go and deliver this message to Joseph. This man that she was betrothed to be Mary, and yet she, uh, she, was, she was pregnant, but not by him, not by any other man, but by the Holy Spirit. And I often wonder how she felt going to see Joseph. Was she afraid? Was she worried? Was she concerned? Was she tentative? Like, did, did she stutter? Was, I don't know. Or was she confident? Was she poised? Was she sure because the angel told her that no word from God will fail? So was she ready, trusting that God would see his will to completion? And then, how would Joseph react you know, in Matthew chapter 1, we see a picture of Joseph's reaction. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we look at this, and there are a few possible ways to interpret Joseph's initial reaction. First, it says that he was a just man, and yet he was unwilling, he was unwilling to expose her to shame. Joseph was unprepared for the scandal, but he was unwilling to expose her to shame. There's, a, there's an important tension that is introduced in this statement. Because if Mary, if Joseph had, had gone and divorced her publicly, if he had gone and exposed her shame, this wasn't just shame that would live with her forever. In fact, she would have been stoned. She would have been put to death. But Joseph also was thinking, well, I don't want... Initially, he's like, I'm not prepared to be associated with this scandal. 
And so he quietly resolves. He says, well, I'm just going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to separate myself from the situation in a way that will not expose her and put her life at risk. What's interesting is as you read this and study it, what you see is I think Joseph had a hard time with this decision. Because it says that he considered it as he, as he pondered and considered these things. I think it's a demonstration of his care and, and compassion towards Mary, not wanting to put her life at risk. But thankfully, even though Joseph had resolved to divorce her quietly, God had a different plan, and he shows up, and he speaks to Joseph through an angel. It says, but as he considered these things, listen, just even after making the decision, that consideration continuing on, he says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from all their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has been, uh, had spoken from the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took, his, uh, he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Knew her not means he did not consummate the marriage until after Christ was born. Now, before we uh, you know, have a conversation about the significance of the name of Christ, I think we need to look at the beginning part of the angel's message to Joseph. Because what he is doing is he is confirming what God's will is to Joseph. He is demonstrating what that will is, confirming it for Joseph so he knows. And Joseph needed to know. He needed to know what God's will was. You see, he had spent time evaluating that decision, and then God revealed what his plan was. To me, I think it's an interesting demonstration of what we see in Romans chapter 12. And don't just go thinking that Pastor John is just trying to find a way to preach about Romans. Okay, uh, for those of for our visitors, Romans is my favorite book in the Bible. Romans chapter 8 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. I was telling Kyle and a couple others uh, this week that um, I was working from home on Friday and uh, Melanie was going out to, to, get, um, to get something and she's like, John, I'm going to stop at Romano's to get some lunch. And she said, uh, just find the menu and tell me what you want. And so what, is, what do I do? I go to Google. I type in Romano's. You know what Google does? It suggests Romans chapter 8 to me. Okay? That's kind of, it's kind of creepy. But clearly, you know, my Google search might, uh, might be indicative of, you know, what I feel about that. But anyways, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. First, we, I want you to understand that this isn't three separate wills. He doesn't have a good will. He doesn't have a pleasing will. He doesn't have a perfect will. He has one will that is good, pleasing, and perfect. And as we look at this, what we understand is Joseph is spending time and he refuses to conform to the pattern of the world. Because the pattern of the world would have been to expose Mary to shame. Would have been. If you don't believe me, men, I'm just going to ask you a question. If your fiance came to you and said that she was pregnant, how many of you, if you knew it wasn't your child, how many of you would continue on with that marriage? See, the pattern of the world would have been to separate. The pattern of the world would have been to expose her to shame. And Joseph was unwilling to do that. 
he considered an alternative. And as he considered the alternative, even though his initial thought was wrong, God intervened and made sure that he stayed in his will. What that lets me know is that if I am refusing to conform to the world, God will reveal his will to me, just as he did to Joseph. And this is an important element that we must understand because, I don't know about you, I want to walk in God's will. I want to walk in God's will. The world doesn't want me to walk in his will. But I want to walk in his will. And we see in, in, in John chapter 15 where Jesus helps us understand even more on how we can do that. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is on the night of Jesus' arrest. And he's talking to his disciples. And what a beautiful picture that he says, I no longer call you servants. But you are my friends. To think that the God of the universe would, would choose not only to send his son, but then would call us friends. It demonstrates the connection that he chooses and desires to have with us. But that connection can only happen when we obey, when we surrender, when we refuse to conform to the pattern of the world. What we must realize and understand is, you know, God is saying, he's like, why would God show us his will if he's not confident that we would obey? Right? Right? Why would he understand? Why would he give us, uh, why would he show us what direction he has for our life if he's not confident that we're going to go in that direction? I think we must trust and, and surrender to the Lord. We must have confidence that as we do that, he is going to demonstrate his will to us. But even more than that, we have to be confident that he will equip us for that. Because I'm certain that Joseph had questions, right? He hears the angel and he knows what God's will is. But he still has questions. Maybe how could, how could he possibly take on the responsibility of raising the Son of God? I mean, it's, it's, it's intimidating enough to be a father of your own children. Right? And here I am, Joseph, thinking, well, how am I going to be the father to the Son of God? Right? Like knowing what, what, what Jesus would be destined for, how does Joseph not mess that up? I, mean, I would be intimidated by that. How is God going to equip him to do that? Well, what we need to realize is God promises that if he gives us that direction, if he shows us his will, he will equip us to do that will. In Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful promise. That as we, re as we receive the will of God, as we surrender to him, as we refuse to conform to the pattern of the world, that he will reveal his plan to us, he will reveal his will and our surrender, and then he will equip us to do that. One of my favorite verses on this topic is in 2 Corinthians. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you see the superlative language that is used here? He's going to bless us abundantly. So that in all things, not some things, at all times, not sometimes, having all that we need, not part of what we need, we're going to abound in every good work, not just a few good works. You see, what we need to realize is there is no partial provision 
inside of God's will. So as you surrender to him, as you refuse to conform to the pattern of the world, and you are renewed daily in your walk with God, and your mind is being transformed, God will be revealing his plan to you. As you obey, he is equipping you to complete that will. This is the way that we have to live. This is the, the, the role that we have on earth, and we can trust that he will do that. And we see this demonstrated in this interaction with Joseph and the angel. God is confirming Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. He is telling Joseph God's will, but also saying, you just need to trust that God is going to bring whatever you need through fruition. He speaks through uh, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, and he helps us understand the purpose behind why Christ came. You see, when we, when we look at this, there's, there's no um, clearer point of fact in all of this. God, it was his will for his son to come to this earth, to die on the cross. And so God uses this angel to confirm all of this for Joseph. Now, what's interesting to me are Joseph's actions. Because it says that, you know, he didn't consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. The angel didn't tell him to do that. That that's not given in the instruction. So what we understand is as Joseph is hearing the will of God, as he is hearing the explicit will of God, he understands the purpose behind why why Christ came, and now it becomes implicitly clear to him what he must do. You see, when we obey the Lord, his will 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 become explicitly clear, meaning there are going to be times when he gives us explicit directions. Go here, do this. And then there are times when his will is implicit, like when you're on a conference call and, says, and someone says, hey, what was that sermon about? I didn't have to ask God, hey, is it your will for me to talk about this? No, I could tell. I knew what it was. It was implicit in me. And he will do the same for you that as you surrender to him, he will give you those directions when you need them that to just be so clear. And then there are going to be times where just in your spirit, you're in so in tune with his spirit and you're going to know. You're going to know the direction that you need to go. I don't know about you, but that's, that's encouraging to me. I don't want to fail the Lord. I want to always be in his will. Well, how can I accomplish that? I can accomplish that by refusing to conform to the world. I can accomplish that by surrendering to God, being obedient to his commands, and being renewed daily in my walk with him. And in that, I have the confidence to know that he will demonstrate what his will is to me. And I can trust that he will bring whatever he starts in me to completion. In Hebrews 12, it says that we must fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Your, your translation might say the author and finisher of our faith. In Philippians 1, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We have hope. We have hope to know that God will bring us through, that he will equip us to do that work and he will finish that work in us. So the theme of our series, Go Tell It on the Mountain, is let's look at what the angel is telling someone about the birth of Christ and then how do I incorporate that when I go out to tell other people that I know about Jesus. So let's just summarize where we are before we start to talk about the message of who Jesus is and what his name means. The angel is saying, in our surrender, in our refusal to conform to the will of God, or to the, to, the, to the pattern of the world, God will reveal his will to us. So when you're in interactions with people in this world, 
And you hear them saying, I just don't know what to do with my life. I'm not sure what my purpose is. I just have so many questions. That's a green light to go in and say, well, you know, God will reveal his purpose when we surrender to him. When we refuse to conform to the pattern of the world, when we refuse to be like everyone else and we choose to be like Christ, that is when God will reveal his, his purpose in our life. When you choose to obey him instead of listening to what the world says. And you can trust and have confidence that even though that circumstance, even though that purpose might seem daunting, it might seem too big, it might seem too great, and that you don't even know how you're going to accomplish it, that you can have faith and know that God will see you through. This is how we can go and tell it on the mountain. That's good news to tell someone. That they, when they refuse to be like the world and they choose to be like Christ, that he will equip them for whatever he has for them to do. That's, that's part of the gospel. And we must share that because our world needs hope. They need hope. It's like running around with a chicken with its head cut off. They just like they're running around with no purpose, no direction. Jesus said when he looked on the crowd, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost and they didn't even know it. We need to teach them, we need to show them how they can find direction, and it is through surrender to God. It's through surrender to Him. And after the angel delivers this message, that it is the will of God, he says, and she will bear a son, and his name will be Jesus. And we understand from last week that Jesus means Messiah. It means the Christ, the Savior. But more than that, we must understand his purpose, because the angel said his name is Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And the purpose behind that is so abundantly clear I wish you could see this picture better. It's a, it's, a, it's a manger, and then in the distance is a cross. You see, the purpose of Christ was always to come to die. I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 53. Because when we read this chapter, what we see is that Christ's purpose was clear from the beginning. So Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering Yet we considered him to be punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was, was on him, and his wounds, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and, the rich, and uh, with the rich in his death, though he had, no, had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offering and prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. 
after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. See, even in all of this, we see the purpose of his death, dying for our sins, but the promise of his resurrection. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he, brought, he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. As we look at this, we see the purpose we often, and certainly I have done this, where you know, I use Isaiah 53 when I preach about the crucifixion and resurrection. I talk about the things, the physical things that happened to Christ on the cross without paying attention or without giving appropriate attention to the purpose behind them. Isaiah was clear. God was clear through Isaiah. It was for the transgression of his people that Christ was punished. It was the Lord's will to crush him And cause him to suffer. That the Lord made his life an offering for our sin. That he would bear our iniquities. He was numbered with the transgressors. transgressors. He bore the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah tells us that our iniquity was put upon him. And says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. That means that before God said, let there be light, before Jesus executed that command, that in the foreknowledge of the triune God, they knew about your sin. They knew about my sin. God knew that I would be imperfect. He knew that sin would be in me. He knew that I would be separate from him. And in his great love, for me. He purposed, he sealed the fact that Jesus would come before he ever said, let there be light. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. So when God said, let there be light, and John 1, 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and by Christ all was created. So Jesus is executing this command to create with the absolute knowledge that one day he would die on this earth that he was creating for the people that he was creating. That's how much God loved you. That's how much Christ loved us, was to come and die for us. And that's how much he loved every single person in this world. The message that the angels give to the shepherds. This is something that I say at, at, the, um, at the manger every time. The angels tell to the shepherds that they have good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's not just for church people. It's not just for us in this building. It's not just for our families. It is for every single person. Every single person. Last night, there was a tragedy on Kings Avenue. If you were here, you know, because you heard the helicopters, you saw the police. There's a young man on a moped that was hit by a Jeep. And the young man did not survive. What if he didn't know? What if he didn't know? What if one of us 
had actually met that individual in our life before and failed to share the truth of who Jesus is with him. You see, we have a responsibility. We have a calling. And it will cost us. It should. It must cost us. Jesus wasn't warning about persecution. He was just saying, it's going to happen. And when it happens, rejoice. Because when we suffer with Christ, we know that we can share in his glory. What are you willing to sacrifice for the people in your life that don't know Christ? What boundaries are you, or do you need to put in place? What do you need to give up? What do, what do you need to, to let go of so that you can prioritize sharing the gospel with the people around you? In Romans chapter 9, Paul gives us an example that is difficult to follow. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness that in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Do you have great sorrow? Do you have unceasing anguish about the people in our community? Paul says, I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, for my kinsmen according to the flesh. I'm just going to be honest with you. I wish this verse was not in the Bible. Because when I read that Paul was willing to sacrifice his connection with God so that the other people in his community could have a connection with God, that Paul was willing to endure hell so that his friends and family could go to heaven. That, that, that Paul was willing to, to be accursed from Christ so that others could come to know him and be loved by him. That is, that is hard truth. But it's in the Bible, and we must react to it. Not just react, but I must respond. There is something that has to happen in me. See, Paul understood what it means to have the mindset of Christ. Paul isn't just trying to set himself up as, as this example that no one can follow. Rather, he is telling us that we must follow this example. In Philippians, he writes, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, all that Paul was saying when he says that I wish that I was accursed by God so that my family, my friends could come to know him, he's just following in Jesus' footsteps. Because Christ was in perfect union with the Father. He steps out of heaven to be forsaken by God 
Because he loved us so much that he was unwilling to expose us to the shame of death that comes with sin. He became obedient to the Father. He surrendered to God's will. We must have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We must see people not as, as individuals to be manipulated or people that can be to our own advantage. Rather, we see them as Christ sees them. We see them as, as potential children of God. And that if we don't tell them, who will? See, I love the way that Paul described it. He said that Jesus, who was in the very nature of God, he was equal with God. He did not consider his position to be used to his own advantage. As Christians, the way that we must respond to that is we cannot use our position as a child of God to our advantage. We must use our position as God's children to the advantage of our community. And that means we must humble ourselves and be obedient. We must sacrifice what we are called to sacrifice. We must be willing to endure whatever we are called to endure because our community needs Jesus. Plain and simple. Our community needs God. You heard me say it last week. That I would do walk through Bethlehem even if there were zero people that came to God. Because God has told us to be obedient. God has told us to go out and share the gospel. I'm going to leave the soul winning. I'm going to leave all of the harvest up to him. I'm just going out into the field. And when we, can, when we can grasp that as a body and realize that in our relationships and in our interactions that it's not up to you if that person that you're talking to about Christ makes a decision. That's not up to you. That's between that person and God. What is up to you is being obedient to the Lord. Because the last thing that you want is tragedy to befall that person. And you think... I had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and I chose to be silent. We must go and tell it on the mountain. And the message that we deliver is that we learn God's will by refusing to conform to the pattern of this world. That's true for us and it's true for the people that we interact with. That when they want to know who God is, when they want to know what their purpose is, that we can give them the good news. That when they surrender to the Lord, his purpose will become clear. It may not be 100%. It may not be like the full plan. It certainly hasn't been like that in my life. I was called to preach at 15. 
If God told me at 15, hey, John, you're going to be the pastor of Kings Avenue Baptist Church, you know what I would have done? I would have told my parents, hey, we need to go to Kings Avenue Baptist Church. But that would have been premature. Because everything that happened from the time I was 15 until the time I got here, God needed to use. He needed to teach me. He needed to grow me. He just gave me the next step. He will give you the next step. He will give them the next step as we surrender. And as we surrender, God will finish what he started. He will finish what he started. The good news is that Jesus came to save the world. And what are you prepared to sacrifice so that others can, can come to Christ? There is nothing in this world that is worth holding on to. So someone else will go to hell. Period. As we pray, I want you just to, again, think about the people in your life that don't know the Lord. Think about the times that you interact with them. Think, think about the relationship that you have. Don't ask God for the opportunity. Listen, the opportunity is there. The opportunity exists. Your relationship with them, your connection with them is the opportunity. Be bold enough to share with them. Be bold enough to step out. And the angel told Mary that the word of God will never fail. In Isaiah, it says that God's word will never return void. So you can have confidence when you speak about who our creator is. Let's pray. Father, I come to you today and I thank you for your son. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that his purpose was to die for my sins. I thank you that before you even spoke this world into existence, you knew that he would come. You knew that he would come and die for me. Before I had the opportunity to respond while I was still in sin, Jesus died. God, help us to be impacted by this truth in such a way that it draws us ever closer to you, that we respond with complete surrender, that in view of your mercy, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to you in worship, in perpetual worship. Let us be burdened for our community. Let us, let us see them as you see them. And let us look at ourselves through your eyes as well, realizing that we have a responsibility, a calling to go out and tell it on the mountain, to tell them about you. Help us to be obedient, Lord, and confident to know that as we obey, you will equip. Father, if there is anyone here that has never received that gift of salvation, let them be feeling your presence. Let them acknowledge that you are real, 
that you are calling them to you and let them come running to you, God. For those of us that that have friends and family and neighbors and co-workers that need to know the Lord. Let us go out from here with renewed vigor and passion, burdened for their salvation. We thank you for all of this, God. In Jesus' name, amen.